Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns and welcome back to LGBTQSU. I'm so happy to be back in the studio, guys. And like, you know, actually recording this time because, you know, I guess I did record that like what minute and a half intro thing last week. But it, it's just not the same. It's not the same as a whole, it's not the same as a whole episode, you know, and I'm just really glad to be back in here. Um. I mean, during my radio show last week, I, it was like every single time I talked, the first thing I said was, I'm so excited to be back. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I hope everyone's spring semester is going well so far. We're somehow going into what, week four, right? Week four? I think that's, yeah. that mm, Maybe it's the week. I don't know. But it, we're going into like a month or so, and it's it's been interesting for me. It's It's been a fun ride. Uh, had some had some incidents, uh, but you know it's fine. And now I'm, I'm I'm actually like I'm fine. It's just you know classes and stuff. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I hope everyone's spring semester is going well. Uh, make sure, by the way, speaking of the radio show from like 30 seconds ago, uh, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. from 4 to 5, not 5 to 6 this semester. I've been moved back an hour, which I'm fine with. I, you know, I might, I might miss the driving hour experience of getting to show all of the, like, old white guys in the general vicinity of campus what young gay people listen to, but it, it's okay. They'll still listen in. <laughs> yeah, but tune in on, tune, tune in on Tuesdays from four to five. But anyway, without further ado, in honor of Black History Month, which unfortunately is, uh, the, the day that this episode's going out, so tomorrow, because I'm recording it on Sunday. Uh, so that will be the last day of Black History Month. But in you know right in the nick of time, I wanted to, uh, in honor of that month, uh, have an episode all about notable black figures in LGBTQ history. Um, so uh, obligatory, this isn't every single black LGBTQ historical figure. Obligatory, this isn't everything that you could possibly learn about them. Uh, but I wanted to include a couple figures. I've included nine, I believe. Uh, ten. Ten. Yes, ten. I did my math wrong. Uh, I've included ten figures in this list that uh, cover a range of identities, backgrounds, and general uh, recognition is what I have written here. But even when I was writing it, I just didn't... It's not really the word that I'm looking for. But, like... Uh, some of them are well-known, some of them are not, and some of them are well-known for reasons besides their LGBTQ identity or activism. Um, I will be going in chronological order by birth, so starting in late 1800s and ending in, uh, like, just past mid-1900s. Um, some of the figures are still alive today. Those are the ones, of course, at the later end of the list. Um... And just so you all are aware, I have gathered this information, this information from NBC, Washington Post, and GLSEN. Uh, so we've got quite a few historical figures to get through today. So without further ado, let's get started. So we will be beginning with Lucy Hicks Anderson, born in 1886 and passing away in 1954. So Christine Jorgensen is often recognized as America's first prominent trans woman, but she's actually preceded by Lucy Hicks Anderson. In 1944, Anderson married a soldier in California, but afterwards, local authorities discovered that she had been assigned male at birth. The couple was then charged with perjury, but Anderson took a stand in court and said, 
reportedly. I defy any doctor in the world to prove that I am not a woman. I have lived, dressed, acted just like what I am, a woman. Which, very powerful considering it's literally 1944. <laughs> like, I, uh, I don't know. I... I really like her vibe from, like, the 30 seconds that I got. Well, not 30 seconds, obviously, but, like, the short amount of research that I have here from her. I really like her. Um, and I just think that that was a really powerful move of hers to be able to do that in a court setting in 1944. Uh, but anyway, moving on. She and her husband did not receive prison time, but were instead placed on 10 years probation. And Anderson was also ordered to refrain from wearing women's clothes. As to whether she actually did refrain or not, I am unaware as that was not part of the research that I got into today. Um, but later on, the couple was actually charged with fraud after Anderson received federal money reserved for military spouses, which since her husband was in the military, but she wasn't properly considered a military spouse. That's why she was charged with fraud. Um, and the couple did receive jail time for this charge. But afterwards, the couple moved to Los Angeles, where they spent the remainder of her life. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she's really cool. And, yeah, I've heard the name Christine Jorgensen a, a few times, actually. But I haven't really actually researched her. Um, I just I do remember in other research that I've done about trans history that she's come up as, like, you know, the first prominent trans woman. But I do find it really interesting that she was actually preceded by a black trans woman and... Like, it's just, it's a rare, it's a really common thing in history, especially in America, that black people, especially black women, will do something before everybody else did, but then some white person is actually attributed as the first. Um, so, like, I just, I just thought that was really interesting um, that she has been erased, unfortunately. But now, at least I and those of you listening to this podcast know the name Lucy Hicks Anderson as the first trans woman in America. Well out trans out and uh active trans woman in america i should say moving on though to 1907 is gladys bentley uh so born in 1907 and passed away in 1960 uh bentley was known in the 1930s as quote harlem's most famous lesbian and uh for those unaware the 1920s and 30s was a huge uh there was a huge lgbtq scene and community in major cities with harlem being one of them uh so known for the top hat and tuxedo she sang the blues in establishments like the clam house and ubangi club i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly but i couldn't really find much online as to how that specific club was pronounced so i hope that i'm pronouncing it at least mostly correctly Unfortunately, towards the end of her life, she ended up marrying a man, denied her lesbian identity, and expressed regret for her drag performances. Although, according to many historians, this is no doubt from the increasing homophobia in America after the 1930s. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I did like a huge project on the 1920s and 30s gay scene in America, and like the there was a sudden very big push with religion and like censorship of gay and trans identities in the 1930s despite this huge movement in the 20s and 30s um it was actually like quite sudden and many many queer figures went back into the closet after this happened so that they could continue to exist in society without uh without discrimination uh and some even continued in their fame while no longer identifying publicly as a queer identity um, so Gladys is not alone in this uh, 
end of life shift, unfortunately. But of course, it is sad to see. Moving on to 1910 is Polly Murray. Uh, so born in 1910 and passed away in 1985. A lawyer and activist, Murray is credited for establishing the legal frameworks that helped boost the civil rights and women's rights movements. Uh, both the late Supreme Court Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall said that they were influenced by Murray's arguments, such as the 700-page summary of racism and state law. Marshall also hails this writing as the, quote, Bible of the Brown versus Board of Education case. Murray also contributed critically to the establishment of the 14th Amendment, making discrimination based on sex unconstitutional. Very important thing here, though, there's a large possibility that having been born today, Murray would have identified as transgender. Self-described as a, quote, he-she personality, Murray repeatedly tried to access gender-affirming care but was always denied by doctors. So... Gender-affirming care has been around for a really long time, of course, in very rudimentary degrees, the farther back you get, um, especially in America. Um, but it's just, it's just so interesting, and it's very impactful to me that, like, no matter what time you look at in history for gender-affirming care, there was always people being denied that care for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of those people are AFAB, which I just find interesting. Like, of course, AMAB people just experience a lot of discrimination against doctors in trying to access gender-affirming care. But from what I've seen, like, a lot of AFAB people in particular are affected by this, um, especially in the past when it was first, as I said, rudimentary, uh, but still, you know, coming into fruition. Uh, and I just... Also, the name Polly Murray, I just... I just like it. I think that's cool. Um, and self-described he-she personality... Um, is interesting because a lot of people in like the early 2000s early 2010s would say like he she um, as like an insult and of course further back as well but that's when I know that it was very relevant um, in like media talking about not saying those things um, so like he she as like a self-described identity is very interesting but of course as far as I know the he she insult was really only started to become a thing like later on so the fact that Polly passed away in 1985 um probably uh, ma it makes sense that it was like a self-described identity versus like the insult that it later became but of course many identities in the, the queer community have morphed from insulting remarks such as the identity of queer um so I just thought that that was really cool and that's part of why I included Polly on the list Moving on with the list, though, is Bayard Rustin, born in 1912 and passing away in 1987. This is one of the uh, figures here that you may know, you may recognize this name, but you may not know that they were queer. Rustin was both an LGBTQ and civil rights activist, best known for being a key advisor to Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He advised King on nonviolent tactics, helped plan the Montgomery bus boycott, and was a chief organizer of the 1963 March on Washington. However, he was arrested in 1953 after being found having sex with two men. He served 50 days in a county jail and was forced to register as a sex offender, which resulted in a lot of pushback during his civil rights activism. So, yeah, a lot of people, uh, of course, black history is still taught to such a minimal degree in schools if it's taught at all. But that is one of the figures that may come up in civil rights activism history. Um, but it is, it's very frustrating that oftentimes only his role as a civil rights activist is highlighted 
instead of his role as an LGBTQ activist and also talking about his arrest, which actually in 2020, Governor Gavin Newsom pardoned Rustin for his nearly 80-year-old arrest, noting how LGBTQ people were, quote, unjustly punished by law enforcement at the time of his arrest. Um, He also received an award from, I believe, the uh, Obama administration uh, for his activism and his courage. And that's another thing that's extremely common with um, a lot of black historical figures as well as LGBTQ historical figures is they'll really only be... uh, like acknowledged and acclaimed after their death um a lot of these people were uh were only known for being gay or known for their activism after their death um instead of at the time and even now as i mentioned bayard rustin's queer identity is often erased if he's included in the school curriculum for teaching history which of course it's great that his civil rights activism is highlighted and that others around Martin Luther King Jr.'s activism are highlighted instead of just MLK, which, of course, he deserves a ton of, of notoriety, of, uh, not notoriety, well, I'm actually, I'll be honest, I'm not even t- entirely sure what the exact definition of notoriety is, whether it's a good or bad thing, which is why I'm not sure if that's the word I'm looking for. But, like, MLK's fame and acclaim is, of course, extremely important. He did many important things. There were also other people involved in, you know, like the March on Washington that have been erased from history and minimized. Um, So it's really important that their voices get heard. It's just still frustrating that very key parts of their lives have been erased in order to just get enough diversity in in school curriculum. Just enough. Can't can't push it too far. (laughs) But speaking of people that were really only acclaimed for their queer identity after their death is Lorraine Hansberry, born in 1930 and uh, passed away in 1965. So Hansberry is another name on this list that you may recognize but are probably surprised to see here. Uh, She's the well-known author of A Raisin in the Sun, a play about a struggling black family on Chicago's South Side. She was the first black playwright and the youngest American to win New York Critics' Circle Award. Though it was unknown until after her passing, well after her passing actually, after diaries were revealed in her estate that she was a lesbian. Uh, Prior to the play that she published, she she had joined various lesbian rights groups like the Daughters of Bilitis and contributed to their magazine with letters about feminism and homophobia. This wasn't part of the research that I did today, but I am curious to know whether the, uh, she diminished her own lesbian identity after publishing A Raisin in the Sun in order to further push its uh, its accessibility in the public because of course when A Raisin in the Sun was published it was already controversial enough as it was but adding on the fact that it was from a lesbian author may have been too much and I wonder if she had been open about her lesbian identity if we would see the book as such a classic and such a notable part of history that we do today um, so I'm, I'm curious to see if I can find more information on that um, and see if that contributed to her to her lesbian identity being erased. It was only found after um, we were going through her estate in the 2010s. Um, I forgot to put a, I didn't put a date here exactly of when her estate was, was, um, you know, gone through, but I believe it said that it was in the 2010s. Um, So it took so, it took like over 40 years after her death for her lesbian identity to be discovered. Um, So I just, I find that really interesting and I'd love to learn more about that. Uh, yet another name on this list, and actually probably um, 
one of the last names that you'll recognize, that most people will recognize, is Marsha P. Johnson, born in 1945 and passed away in 1992. She is actually possibly one of the most, if not the most well-known LGBTQ activist in general. Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson was one of the first to incite the Stonewall Uprising in 1969, one of the most relevant and notable queer riots that have happened in our history that really sparked forward an LGBTQ movement. Alongside Sylvia Rivera, uh, she co-founded the activist group Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR. Uh, so actually something really interesting about her identity is that most people attribute like most people attribute the term transgender to Marsha P. Johnson. However, she did not identify as such. She was a self-identified drag queen, um, but at, she usually would only refer to herself as either a transvestite or a transsexual. The term transgender was not the most common term at the time. Um, that's really a more modern thing. Uh, transvestite and transsexual, of course, they have been used as slurs. They've been used in a very negative context. And the average person today, the average trans person today, would not react too kindly to being called a transvestite or transsexual, especially by a stranger. Um, but I just find it interesting that, like, she is known as a transgender woman when it's not even confirmed necessarily, at least in the research that I have done about her, that she identified as a transgender woman or more just a drag queen or uh, Sylvia Rivera's definition of transvestite which is just a gay man that presents in very feminine clothes and performs as a drag queen perhaps um, so I just I just find that interesting uh, but more about her she was also an AIDS activist with the AIDS coalition to unleash power or act up um, and also fun fact the Susquehanna University Symphonic Band has a current piece in the repertoire entitled A Mother of a Revolution dedicated to Marsha P. Johnson uh, it's actually a, it's an interesting piece um, I was performing with the band uh, with this piece and there's it's definitely it's an it's a very interesting piece I recommend looking up A Mother of a Revolution and of course if you can find the recording of Susquehanna University playing it then you know I, I fully support support uh watching that version uh but anyway uh finally we are moving on to figures that are still alive today with ron odin born in 1950. when odin was elected mayor of palm springs california in 2003 the year i was born he made history by becoming the first openly gay african-american man elected mayor of an american city following odin's historic elections uh the Palm Springs City Council made history once again in December of 2017 when it became America's first all-LGBTQ city council. Uh, I just, it it is both baffling but also just very so like sobering and humbling that the first openly gay African American elected mayor was in 2003, literally 19 years ago, and it's just. We've come, we've come so far, but not as far as I, I feel we had hoped. Um, and there's still a long way to go, but I'm still, it's just, I'm, uh, I can't get super, I can't get super, you know, all gushy about this till the end. So I'll, I'll skip that little speech that I was about to go on and move forward to Phil Wilson, born in 1956. After the tragic death of his partner from an HIV-related illness, as well as his own HIV diagnosis, Wilson founded the Black AIDS Institute in 1999. In 2010, he was also appointed to the Obama administration's HIV-AIDS Advisory Council. 
He has served as a World AIDS Summit delegate and advocates for additional funding for black groups to help their community fight HIV and AIDS, which his work resulted in the Act Against AIDS campaign, otherwise known as the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign, which promotes HIV testing prevention and treatment. HIV ha- was a huge epidemic in the queer community, which I, I plan on having an entire episode about that and its history. Um, and the presence of black figures in this fight is incredibly huge as the black community was affected at an even uh, like larger rate than the uh, white people in the queer community. And his and his partner's fight with HIV is only one story of many. And it actually... Um, the part like the the fact that his partner passed away and he continued with his own fight and for his partner um to fight against hiv and aids um it actually brought me like it reminded me of the musical rent with collins and angel um which oh my goodness they're mm, i love rent i really i really want to play angel at one point actually but i'm not sure i have the vocal range anymore but that's a whole other thing anyway um yeah, like it just reminded me of that, and I actually looked it up to see if it was a direct correlation, um, and if the characters in Rent were possibly inspired by Phil Wilson. Um, due to the timing, I don't think it would be, but it's just, you know, a, it, it's another, it's just a prime example of how common this story was, of partners like with one of them passing away from AIDS and the other still having to live on and continue their own fight while mourning the loss of their partner. Um, so. Yeah, just very tragic. But Phil Wilson is still alive today and still, uh, you know, very much involved in activism. And finally on the list is Andrea Jenkins, born in 1961. So she actually has two uh, claims to fame in this list uh, for becoming the first openly transgender black woman to be elected to public office in the United States in 2017. Uh, She was one of two openly transgender people to win a seat in the Minneapolis City Council that year, which... My stepmom's actually from Minnesota, which uh, she's talked to me a lot about how she was involved, like how the gay scene in the 80s and 90s in in Minnesota was and her firsthand experience there. Um, So I think I just thought it was a really cool tie back for me that, you know, this was in Minneapolis in Minnesota. Um, So that was just really cool. Um, And I think looking more into her and seeing um, if like if she was involved publicly in the gay scene when my stepmom was. Uh, But uh, she also made waves in January of this year when she was elected the first trans official in the United States to lead a city council. Andrea Jenkins is also a published poet and oral historian at the University of Minnesota. So she seems really cool. Um, And I just it's just so cool seeing trans people who are older and, you know, have, you know, quote, quote unquote, made it Um, because for a lot of younger trans people like me, it's really daunting the idea of like growing up and being like you know a full full grown adult and not having that many trans people to look up to that have survived this long either due to discrimination um the increased rate in suicide and just being able to identify as yourself like it's just it's really hard finding those older trans i like idols to to look to and to just prove to yourself that like you can make it and the fact that she's made so many strides and, you know, already has two claims to fame for a list like this and God knows where she'll go f- going forward. Um, 
And she was also born in the same year as my Didi, who is really my main older trans person that I can look to in my life. Um, and it's just so cool that, you know, like my, my Didi and I have talked about how she doesn't get to see the entire movement and the entire progression of trans rights in her lifetime, but she's seen so much. And that Andrea Jenkins gets to be a part of that is just really cool. And that I get to be a part of that and my Didi and my stepmom and all these people. Um, so yeah, Andrea Jenkins is just a huge tieback for me. Um, yeah, so that actually brings us to the end of our list today. Um, again, another obligatory, this isn't every single black LGBTQ historical figure, but I wanted to include 10 people that just covers a wide range of different aspects of themselves that make them an activist or just an, a notable LGBTQ black figure in our history. And our history of just individual LGBTQ historical figures and black historical figures is so slim. And I love being able to push forward that, that movement of you know educating the public on what our history is actually like and the diversity that really was there despite the censorship that we receive in our curriculums, in our textbooks, in our newspapers. Um, and I'm really happy that I get to contribute to that with this episode and just this podcast in general. But seeing all of these queer people throughout our history is just really nice and empowering for me. Um, that, like, of course, they re- they experience struggle. A lot of the queer figures in our history were discriminated against, like, both on a local, state, and federal level. And a lot of them passed away Um from attacks or with AIDS, with the the huge AIDS epidemic, like just committing just a, a lot, just such a, a huge atrocity for the queer community and other communities that have been marginalized. And I love being able to look at these historical figures because I normally hate history class. I think it's boring. I think we learn the same thing every time, just in a different writing. Um, so seeing these new figures is just really nice and very empowering and I hope that it's impactful for you because it's it's very impactful for me doing this research um this podcast has helped me to learn so many things that I never would have learned otherwise um and I'm really happy to have this opportunity and to share it with all of you um which yeah I guess is a is a very happy note to end this podcast episode on uh so again I hope your week's going great I hope your spring breaks or your spring semester is going well uh, and we're just trucking forward to spring ba- to spring break. I can't talk. Wow, I got through this whole episode, and now I just can't talk at all. Um, but yeah, I uh, hope you guys have a great day, and just enjoy the rest of your week. And I hope all of you out there had a great Black History Month and learned many great things about the Black community in our country and all around the world. Uh, so yeah, have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you next time.